Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Two Credits Podcast. I'm Ari. And I'm Taylor. And today we're mostly just going to be talking about some news over the past week, because it's been a crazy week for gaming news, especially regarding Xbox and Ubisoft. So, Taylor, if you'd like to take it away with the Xbox stuff. Yeah, sure. So, basically, the news is that um, Microsoft has finally said that they're going to be launching their xCloud streaming service this year in September. Um, and xCloud is basically, you know, just run of the mill game streaming service, sort of like PlayStation Now or Stadia or something like that. So basically it'll be the place where it seems like Microsoft is going to be selling you games or maybe letting you play ones that you already own, Xbox titles. And they're going to be running on Xbox hardware as well. So basically, in theory, it should be as simple as a publisher just opting in their games to the service and then assuming they've made an Xbox version, it should just work. Because it's literally like, when you use that service, it's just streaming it off of an Xbox to you. So and, the, the leaked hardware that they were talking about that I saw on uh, line, they weren't using that for the xCloud? It's not like they're going to make blades out of that? Well, yeah, so they're going to be making blades out of... Uh, at launch, it's going to be basically Xbox One S hardware. So you know, the lower-end uh, Xbox Ones. And that is what it is right now as well. And then they said that they're going to be transitioning over to Series X stuff next year. But for the moment, and I guess, you know, even after Series X is out for a bit, it's still going to be running on the older hardware, which is interesting. I wonder how that's going to play out, because that means that they can't push their Series X stuff, or at least they can't push on the streaming service the advantages of having a Series X. Yeah, because it'll basically be, like, it seems like it'll have to be pretty much like the last gen, or I guess, you know, the way we look at it now is it's the current gen version, but the next gen version of stuff isn't going to be running, it seems, until next year. But but the real news with with this is that they said that um, xCloud is going to be included as part of Game Pass Ultimate, the subscription, and that seems like it'll be the only way to access it at launch, based on what we've heard so far, which also seems to suggest that Game Pass games will be a lot of what is available on there, and like maybe you'll just be able to play all that same stuff, except on streaming as well. I wonder how that's going to work with third parties, because especially with Game Pass for PC, we've seen a lot of stuff that left within a year. And I wonder if it's going to be the same for the streaming service, or if they're going to leave it up there on xCloud and just phase it out of the Game Pass thing. Well, and the other thing that's interesting, too, is anybody, um, you know, if if you happen to be a person like myself that either currently does or did have an Xbox and a PC, and you had a Game Pass Ultimate, you could really see the disparity between the two offerings. Or even just, I guess a lot of PC subscribers see it too, because they tend to announce the new games for both at the same time. And a lot of the time you'll see that the console Game Pass gets really big stuff, like Monster Hunter World was on there. Um, was Devil May Cry 5. Yeah, Devil May Cry 5, that was another big one. Like, there's you're getting really huge stuff, even third-party stuff on there at some point. And there's been rumors about stuff like Control eventually getting on there as well. But on PC, it's mostly like 
a lot of the big stuff is the first party stuff and then occasionally you do get third party stuff as well but it's much much less one so, of the, one of the big problems i think is that a lot of the big third party stuff on pc is just exclusively paradox so they're serving exactly one niche which is that strategy niche and a lot of other gamers aren't getting much on pc yeah like some of the bigger stuff that i can think of would be like age of wonders planetfall which you know again is one of those strategy games but we're not you know we're kind of missing out on a lot of the third big third party stuff so I, I would guess that it would be more of the console side of things that, you know, like we might see more of that big third-party stuff on here. But the other question then is, you know, a lot of streaming services, it seems like they want to play up having exclusives. So presumably if you're going to be on xCloud, you know, there's nothing stopping you from also being on Stadia or something like that. But you're probably going to want to just be on one, if possible, to get a good exclusivity deal. Well, so. I, I think it might be different here, and the reason for that is that Xbox has been pushing this as a platform, and they've been pushing it as a platform where the only exclusives are coming first party and not from other places. So there's a possibility, at least, that if you have third parties, big third parties that are available on Game Pass and they end up on xCloud, that they might not push for exclusivity because they're already doing that with their own library. Yeah, but I, I think the thing too, though, is that presumably other services are going to be going for exclusives as well. So even if even if Microsoft isn't doing it, you know, presumably if you're getting on xCloud, you would probably also be on other stuff. But something like Stadia might try and come to you and get your thing as an exclusive, so then you might not be on xCloud. So I don't know. I guess it's just it's it's a big question as to what will actually be on here. They they said over a hundred games from Game Pass will be on there at launch, but we don't know which ones. So a lot of those presumably are going to be the Microsoft first party titles. But and and it's pretty easy to get a lot of like it's kind of rude to call it filler, but it's pretty easy to get like a lot of filler smaller titles that aren't very hard to get to play up that number. So, you know, it it we'll have to see at launch. I feel like you only really get one chance to show off that you have a lot of good stuff. And if you show off like, oh, there's a hundred, but then a lot of it is like smaller stuff that people don't care about, then that might permanently or like, you know, semi permanently give people a bad impression. There also are other considerations, though, because, like, comparing it to PlayStation Now and Stadia, PlayStation Now is exclusively PlayStation games. xCloud is going to be exclusively Xbox games. Stadia is its own platform, but it's largely PC games that have been ported to Stadia, so it'll be interesting to see if they even try to, like, fight over exclusives, because this is a service that is made to play games that are played on Xbox, not on PC or PlayStation. So are exclusives even going to be necessary, or is it going to be people that are already in their ecosystem? But also, like for people like me, that like I had an Xbox One once, but I sold it because we rarely used it, I would maybe want to play certain Xbox One exclusives that are on xCloud, especially ones from before they started pushing the one platform xbox and pc thing but um i 
would have to pay for Ultimate during that time, so that would kind of be the service that I'd use during that time, so in that way it would be a competitor. So it'll just be interesting to see which side of that takes over. Yeah. And, you know, they, they're going to be talking about it soon. Like, I suspect that they'll talk about it, and they're, like, during their event, that's, like, six days away now. Even though they've said that the event is going to be mostly games-focused, um, I still think that they will probably talk about it at least a little bit. Or if not, they have also said that, uh, to my understanding, there's going to be more details about launch coming next month. But I think there will be a lot coming out about it very soon. Um, but <laughs> a weird thing about it, actually, is that there's so much talk about it, but xCloud isn't even going to be the name which is kind of a weird thing because the and you know it doesn't seem like they've chosen what the name will actually be either so that's kind of a weird thing because it feels like there's been a lot of talk about xcloud but that's not even going to be what the name is so they're going to have to kind of start over with a different name which is just weird it's very weird for it to be this close to launch at least to be fair xcloud was always a weird name it was especially with the lowercase one it's like they took xbox and cloud put them together, and then just remove the expo from the front of it. And the one thing that I kind of wonder about xCloud is, like, with any of these streaming services, they call it, they kind of, like, people look at them as competitors, and they are, but on the other hand, they also all are kind of going for different markets, as you said. So Phil Spencer talked about xCloud um, in an interview with The Verge. He said... He used the word, like, snackable, like snackable trials. So he was kind of talking about it in the sense of, like, you see something that you want to play, like probably a Game Pass thing or something, and you just hop into it instantly on xCloud, and that's kind of your first experience with the game. But I wonder, like, is that the approach that they're going for, where it's kind of mostly just like a stopgap until you get that actually installed? Or are they going to try and... You know, are they aiming at it being like a replacement or like another option? It's just it because those are two very different things, right? So that would really change how they might approach it and what's available on there. I mean, I guess it depends how it's used because I could see a lot of people using it for, for example, Flight Sim because it's just such an insanely demanding game, and I'm pretty sure that's going to be on Xbox, right? Uh, yeah, so I don't I don't think that's going to be on Xbox at launch, but I'm not sure. I think that might be something that comes to PC and then they're doing the Xbox One a bit later. That is a really good point, though, actually, because that game is going to require an internet connection for the most part. Like, you can play it offline by downloading map data, but you're still going to want to be always online so that it can stream in that data to you because there's so much of it. Like, the install size would just be outrageously big to include everything. So, at that point, there's much less of a question about, like, streaming it versus local, because you almost might as well stream it, assuming your internet is good enough, because then you don't have to deal with... Like, you're going to have to be streaming data anyway, so then it, you know, you almost might as well just do that and not have to install it or whatever. But then you also have whoever else's connection is doing the actual streaming of data while your connection is only streaming the game itself. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, 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 
It does depend, I guess, but that is a game that I could see being really good for streaming in that way. Especially, like, because another thing that they've said, right, is that Microsoft's big games are going to be... Um, calling them backwards compatible is weird, but, like, the next-gen stuff from Microsoft will also be playable on older Xboxes for the next couple of years, they've said. So... Maybe exact if you have like backwards compatible. Yeah, forwards compatible, I guess. I don't really know. But instead of like like if you have a launch day Xbox One at this point, it's probably kind of tired. And I'm sure it will run that game. But my experience with running games on the base versions of the consoles at this point are like it seems to be bad a lot of the time. And like they kind of expect you to have the better the better console to get the full experience. So maybe at that point, if you have an older Xbox, but your internet is good, then you just stream the new stuff in and you don't care about upgrading as much. That would be an interesting use case. But I mean, also we have to see how many people are even willing to upgrade to Xbox game pass ultimate to do that. I'm not sure what the cross section is, but the fact that they were separate for so long indicates that it's possible that there is a large subsection of people that are paying for Game Pass, but only playing offline so they don't care about Xbox Live Gold. Yeah, I mean, the the thing that also kind of ties into this that's been going around is that Microsoft got rid of the ability to have an Xbox Live Gold yearly subscription, like to sign up for a new one from their store. I think if you had one already, it's still is just ongoing, like you're kind of grandfathered in, but they seem to be stopping new people from signing up for a year of gold, at least on their own store, which doesn't necessarily mean anything, and we haven't heard anything, but it seems to me like it could be the kind of thing where they are thinking about discontinuing gold or rolling it into Game Pass just overall at some point, and so like that would kind of play into it as well, depending on what they want to do about Xbox Live Gold. Okay, so with that talked about, we should move over to the Ubisoft Forward, which is, it happened this past weekend, and they talked about Watchdog Legions, or Watchdog's Legion, Hyperscape, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Far Cry 6, and a lot more, and I think we should probably just get the Hyperscape stuff out of the way. Basically, it launched like, on the day of the Ubisoft Forward, and that was, like, right after we put out the last podcast. So most of what we said is still accurate right now. And it looks like there are a few new, like, gadgets and guns and stuff, but for the most part, what we said is still accurate, and I'm still concerned that, like, it won't be something that lasts long-term. I'm very concerned about the fact that they did not switch the map out with one that was more stylish and less, like, gray and whatever other colors they used. I can't even remember what other colors were on the map, I'm going to be completely honest. Um, But yeah, so, that's all still accurate, if you wanted to say anything. So, yeah, we talked about it on the last podcast, and I just checked in on Twitch to see where it's at, uh, viewers-wise. It's at, like, 15,000 at the moment which is quite low in the grand scheme of things compared to other stuff. Um, And, like, I checked out the patch notes 
yesterday to see, you know, what did they actually do. And for the most part, it's pretty much the same. Like, they addressed a few of the things that we said. So, for instance, the grenade launcher that I complained about in particular, they nerfed that. And they did a couple things, like they added a solo mode or whatever. But for the most part, it is, like, the exact same thing. So I don't think that they've really addressed some of the larger issues that we pointed out or that other people have pointed out. So it is, it is like, just weird. Especially, like, the loot distribution. Compared to other games, it is awful. It is so bad, and it feels so mechanical running through buildings and grabbing them in the layout that they're in. Yeah, and, and it's just, it's, like, the exact same thing. Like, the, another thing they did is they made it so it takes less ammo packs to reach, like, maximum ammo or whatever, so you're spending a bit less time doing stuff like that. But, like, you know, the big issues, they haven't done anything about that. So... Unfortunately, I think what we said last time pretty much just still stands as is. And I think that it might actually... It's actually telling that it only has, what did you say, 15,000 viewers right now? Because you can progress your battle pass by watching the Twitch streams, which is very weird. And it level of Twitch integration that I was not expecting. But if it's already like that, then I don't expect that it's going to get better. Yeah, so it was like just over 15,000, and yeah, I already forgot about that, but the Battle Pass thing, I'm not sure if they actually messaged it this way, but another person that I was listening to talk about this was mentioning, like, it's not available on consoles at the moment, um, at least as far as I'm still aware, but it seemed like there might have been some hint of like, you know, if you want to play this on console at some point, you might as well start watching now to get this Battle Pass stuff that you won't be able to get later. Which just sounds like a really like awkward way of doing it to me. Just because I... You know, everyone's different, but I just can't imagine just watching something long-term to level a Battle Pass if I wasn't, like, playing it already. It, it just... <laughs> it doesn't sound great, is what I'm saying. And yeah, if they only have 15,000 viewers when you're able to level your battle pass like that, then, like, how many of those people are even actually watching out of those 15k? Like, it, it can be much less, because whenever you have something like that, where you get something for watching a stream, you inevitably have, like, a bazillion people doing it just to get the drop, or whatever. Like, what Valorant did, or what CSGO has done, or whatever. And, I mean... It's also just weird because it seems like what they've confirmed with that is that the console versions will be cross-platform. Like, it, it feels like that's what they've confirmed by saying that you can watch the Twitch streams and get the stuff later for console. But do we know if the future Battle Passes are also going to be free? I don't think so. I don't think that they've said anything. I don't think that they'll be free. I think this will be the only one that's free. Or, like, you know, maybe they'll do the thing where there's kind of, like, a free, crappy one, like whatever game does. But, yeah, I don't think they've said anything for sure about that, but I don't think so. Okay, so I'm imagining a scenario where this Battle Pass runs out, and they start a new one, and there are console players actively buying the Battle Pass and watching Twitch streams to make sure that they don't miss out on stuff. And that just feels so weird. Yeah, like, I, guess that, I guess that does kind of mean if they're doing it like this, then that 
maybe they are hoping to have it out on consoles before the next season, whenever that is. That's a good point because yeah, like when it's when it's free, it's kind of one thing. Like it's already awkward when it's free, but presumably they're not going to want to have people miss out. So, yeah, like how does that even work? I don't I don't even know. That's that's really weird. Because this current battle pass carries over. They said like if you switch to console later or whatever, your stuff will all carry over from this battle pass, but they can do that because it's free, whereas, you know, I don't know. Like, if they start charging for it, then I don't know. That kind of gets weird, because consoles, like, they... It's it's always weird on different platforms when you bring stuff over, because they don't really like to let you do that, where people can have the stuff, but, but they didn't pay for it on their platform. They paid for it somewhere else, so I don't know. It's It's weird. The whole thing is weird. Yeah, the only ones that I can think of that let you do that are like Fortnite and maybe Dauntless. I'm not sure about Smite and Paladins because I've not tried those on consoles, but I mean, a lot of purchases on consoles end up going through the console's dedicated store, so it could get pretty weird pretty fast, depending on how they transition that. Yeah. I don't know. I I was kind of hoping that they'd be able to do a bit more just in general before the game came out as well like because what we played of it in the technical test you know that was fine that felt like a game that could exist like a lot of it felt kind of done in the sense that like yeah i could see this existing in a released game but on the other hand there was so much that just didn't feel great and you know i anticipated that they would have to release it again very soon because it seems like with battle royales you can't really have a long waiting period or else people just go somewhere else but on the other hand it it just feels like nothing has really changed and that's just unfortunate it i mean it felt done but it also feels like a very weird game for ubisoft specifically because like i didn't mention it last time because i'd forgotten but just the whole process of dropping feels awkward because you control exactly where you go, except for going back up. You can't go back up, but you can keep level for as long as you possibly want. And as you're dropping, it it doesn't feel like visually very polished when you look at the map, when you look at all the labels. They, they, it doesn't look as nice as other games. And Ubisoft, one of the things they usually do very well is that they have very fleshed out worlds that are very well designed regardless of whether you enjoy being in them. Um, they do design worlds very well, and they look very plausible. They always look very plausible. So it was really weird dropping in the first time and looking at that and being like, this is a Ubisoft game. Yeah, I mean, it's very much... It, it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the stuff that they do. Um, and it just... I don't want to say that it's generic, because I don't think it's really generic, but it doesn't stand out in any way to me. Like, it, it has a style, but I just don't think the style is very good in any way. <laughs> and, like, it feels like a wasted opportunity. And, you know, they could always, it could always improve. Like, it could change drastically over, the, over its lifetime. But I just... I feel like a lot of the problems are kind of systemic in a way like, you know, they're probably not going to drastically change 
the aesthetic or whatever. So or the feel you know, of shooting. Yeah. So it's things like that that make me just question, you know, will it ever change into something that I think is really worth playing? And I kind of don't think so, which is unfortunate, because I always like to see new games, you know, new games take on new things, just even so you have options. And so it kind of pushes other games to be better as well. Like, you know, after after Apex came out, pinging became like a thing that people started putting in their games. So it's always cool to have new games that kind of shake things up because and everyone looks at that and tries to see what they could take from it. But from this game, all the stuff that they do differently, I don't think any of it is worth taking <laughs> or using. So it's just not, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like it's worth it. And I mean, like I said last time, it was an interesting thought experiment, but like, they even... They kind of did Apex's parkour system, but like you can't even like run up walls in Hyperscape. It was it, it's very odd to be able to jump and move around the way you can and not run up walls. It doesn't feel great. I think the, the game in general just doesn't feel great. But there you go. I mean, that's Hyperscape, really. Like if you basically, it's like if you played the technical test and you liked it, well, then this is exactly that. Except now there's a solo mode and a couple new things. But if you didn't like it, well then definitely just don't bother because it's it's still exactly that. Yeah, so I think we've spent enough time on that. So moving on, um, Watch Dogs Legion, we got quite a bit of new info about. And I'm kind of a little bit skeptical now. I'm a little more skeptical than I was before because I always thought it was weird, the the way that they described it. Like, you just turned into these people on the street before is what it felt like. Like, you walked up to somebody, you, like, somehow hacked their brain, and you became that person. That, that's kind of the messaging that I was picking up on before. But now that I see how it works, like, you recruit people, and then you choose them for a specific mission, and watching them play back the same mission with different characters... I actually think this might be the perfect example of too much choice is a bad thing, because it's a lot of choice, but a lot of choice that is also sticking you with very rigid decisions. Like, you have the one girl that does the thing with the drones, and you're just stuck with that set of abilities. You're stuck with the drones and whatever weapons she has. You have the construction worker. You're just stuck with the giant wrench and the nail gun and whatever else he has. Like, there, you don't have a lot of leeway once you've chosen a character. You choose a character, and you do it within the confines of the way that that character plays. And I'm really not sure how I feel about that. Well, and I think it can go, like, a lot of different ways, right? Because it's all well and good to say, like, oh, well, there's a hundred ways that you can do this this mission or whatever. You know, I'm not saying that they said that, but it's all well and good to say, oh, there's all these different ways that you can do a mission. But it's a totally different thing to make those all be, like, different ways that are meaningfully different, because it could either be, like, there's not actually that many different character archetypes, or, like, they're not all that different. You know, like, maybe everyone kind of has, like, a melee weapon that maybe is a bit different, but everyone has one. Because even the construction worker guy has a drone as well. He has some kind of, like, construction drone thing. So it, it, it could be that, or it could be, like, 
the missions are kind of generic in the way that like you know there's not it doesn't really matter if you do it one way or another so that could be another thing i don't know like it looks really cool on paper to be able to do like to have all this freedom and how you approach stuff but then it kind of just makes me think of like i don't know like skyrim or something where it's like yeah you could do this in like a million different ways but it kind of doesn't matter how you actually do it like it doesn't have that many consequences so i really wonder how all that freedom that they're talking about will actually play out i mean my problem though is like if you imagine an open-ended system like say like the assassin's creed like rpg style system where you have this tree of skills and you have to build it out a specific way and you only have those skills for the majority of the time you play and there's no way to like build out a rounded set without taking a hit in some way um it's like you have all these different ways to do things and then they're giving you the end result of the paths that you would otherwise follow on a skill tree so you have these all in your like what do you call it like in your army or whatever and you just pick one and then you play it but if you don't like that you can just go back and pick a different one your choices don't actually mean a whole lot because you have the option to go back and just do it with a different character and it would be like going back and doing it with a different skill tree that you hadn't built and it, it's a weird feeling because at the same time, it looks like you're not actually picking these things. You're just picking them based on their visuals, and then you get an archetype based on that. I'm sure they'll give you a little bit of information, but, you know, that's how most people are going to play it. And it doesn't feel like you're actually going to build out those characters in any way, because I can't imagine a scenario where you get someone like the construction worker, and you get this kit of a giant wrench, a nail gun, and a drone, and you have this immense way that you can like build them out and change them into a different kind of character. I think it's more like you're just going to get little bonuses for whatever progression system they have, or maybe not even that, but we, we haven't gotten a lot of information on that yet, so I, I will not... I will reserve judgment, obviously, but from what I'm seeing, it just it feels like they're giving you a bunch of different endgame characters from a skill tree and saying, okay, pick one and just do the mission. And that, that's well and good, but it, it doesn't inspire confidence in the way that it'll play. Well, and, and just going beyond that, too, like, they talked a little bit, like, they've talked about the setting. So the setting is, like, the post-Brexit London, where it's turned into a police state after some terrorist attacks. but you know, what is the story like when you can just play it with all these different characters that presumably, like, you know, again, we don't know this, but I feel like you kind of know, like, if you can just recruit anyone, are any of these, like, characters, or are they just random, like, random NPCs almost? You know what I mean? Where it's like, oh, this guy is a construction worker, but he's not meaningfully different than any of the other like 100 construction workers that you'll see but they just they have a name but you know it's not really a character it's just a thing so i just wonder like how you know what will the story look like will it still be interesting when they're kind of just opening it up like that as well i mean it kind of it kind of seems like they're just gonna have like one or two personality traits and that's gonna be it 
Yeah, and I just... The other thing that I've been thinking about, too, is with Watch Dogs Legion, it kind of feels like we're not really... You know, nobody really talks about anything except the character thing. But there has to be game, like, outside of that. Like, it has to be more than that. But I don't know what any of that is. It feels like all that we see is, you know, oh, well, you can do it with all these different characters. But you can play as I, a I, I kind of, yeah, like, I want to know more. Like, what, like, more of what am I doing other than that? Other than just that. Well, also, I don't totally like the tone that I'm seeing in a lot of these trailers, where it's kind of still Watch Dogs, but they're also, like, going halfway to Saints Row at the same time with, like, the over... Like, they're doing way too many humorous moments in these trailers, and I feel like that's setting the stage for a very, very, like, humor-driven game, and I don't know how to feel about that, because, like, the past Watch Dogs games were not very humorous, and they had a specific tone to them, and you played, like, fairly seriously, you know? Like, when somebody invaded you, it was serious. Like, you had to fight them, you had to find them with your drone, and then you had to kill them kind of thing, and, like, I don't know what that's gonna look like with this level of humor in it, because it just, it doesn't feel great to be like, okay, but is this Watch Dogs or is this, like, Saints Row? Yeah, and you know what the other weird thing is, though, is, like, they simultaneously, they have all those, like, weird supposed-to-be-funny things that they've been showing, and then they also have the, like, they they had the, like, World War Two post-World War Two quote in there, where it's like, first they came for these people, and I did not speak out because I was not one of them. First, or, the, sorry, then they came for these people, and I did not speak out, and so on. So they have, like, they have stuff like that in there, but then also they have, like, haha, funny, this thing's happening. So it, it like, the marketing seems very weird and, like, all over the place. Because those do not fit together at all. And in the same and- trailer. Well, and I, I mean, I don't want to say, like, you can never use that quote. And, I mean, they, they obviously changed it. Like, it wasn't the exact. But, like, that's clearly what it was. And it just felt awkward to me because it just... I don't know what they were going for with that. Like, I don't know what they were supposed to be... Like, I get it. Like, it, it yeah, it's in a police state. And I guess, you know, there was... The idea is like, oh, well, it kind of, it didn't instantly change to a police state. It changed over a bit of time. And, you know, a lot of people were just kind of complacent and didn't really do anything about it until it's too late. But they don't really go in on that very much at all in the marketing, at least. And I kind of wonder, like, how much they'll even go into that in the game. But in any case, it just seems like a little bit inappropriate perhaps to use that quote when i don't feel like their game is going for that at all like i i don't think like they're not gonna they could but it doesn't feel like they're going to seriously address anything like that so i just think like for you know i don't want to fixate onto them using that quote but just that that really struck me in a weird way when i was watching it because they didn't really do anything with that i mean but but it was there but even beyond that, like, the way they changed the quote was so weird, because, like, it was like, at yeah. first they came for the whatever, right? And it's like, okay, well, I could see that. And then it's like, and then they the came foreigners. for the paint. 
And then they came for the painters or whatever they called themselves. Street artists, I think. Street artists. Okay, well, and yeah. I was like, okay, but street artists are criminals. Like, they're well, defacing stuff. I mean, yeah, and the street artist was the last one, I think, which is just, like, that doesn't even fit with what the quote originally was either. So it, it just, like, I, I don't even know. Like, it went from, I think it was foreigners first, and then it went to... It may be it went to something else, and then it went to journalists, which, you know, that makes sense as a progression. And then it went to street artists at the end, and I just, I don't even know what that was supposed to be. It was just weird. Like, the whole thing is just weird, and I don't feel like I really understand what the game is after watching any of that. And I don't, like, like aside from the character thing, where it's like, oh, play as any character, or whatever. Which, by the way... I don't, like, how fun will that be for how long? Because I feel like if you played Saints Row 3, and then maybe if you played Saints Row 4, and then you played Saints Row, like, Gat Out of Hell or whatever, you quickly, you know, at least a lot of people, I think, quickly come to see, like, oh, it's actually not fun beyond a point when it just goes too off the rails. Like, you need to be at least a bit grounded, otherwise it just becomes like, oh yeah, it's fun for like a while, but then it's just not, like it, it just wears off quickly when it feels like you have too many powers or like you're too powerful. So, but yeah, like they're not going to have progression probably for each character. So I don't know. Like I just, I wonder like how interesting will that be for how long? Like, like playing as a grandma. Like, yeah, that's probably funny for a few minutes, but like, eh, like, I don't think that's going to be funny for like 10 hours, so I I want to see more of what the game actually is, aside from just that one part of it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm just still skeptical. I mean, they they took so long to actually show us anything substantial, and to just have this weird hodgepodge of different types of, like, the same style of game thrown together, it, it feels a little bit disappointing i'm gonna be honest it, it feels disappointing and they haven't talked about multiplayer at all because they had multiplayer in the past but having this whole system of like you can play any of these characters it kind of changes things like i know that the first game it was like aiden versus aiden and the second game it was technically the main character versus the main character i don't remember his name off the top of my head um i only remember aiden's because of how much controversy there was with that game um but to then take that and be like, oh yeah, this random person isn't just some random person that's part of your team. Now they're hacking into other people's worlds. It's just... I know that all of them can hack on some level, but to then make that leap feels disingenuous. Yeah, and I mean, like, they've now said it's coming out this year. Like, end of October. So there's not, like... There's a few months, but there's not that much time before it comes out, so I don't know. I I wish that we kind of saw more of what it is, which we just didn't. Like, what they showed was very much focused on that characters thing again, which I feel like was something that was already going around from last time. So, I don't know. Like, I, I will definitely play it, but I'm just not, like, I don't think it will be very good necessarily overall like i think the switching characters thing yeah that'll be fun but for how long 
you know? And then, like, will the missions actually be interesting, or will they have to be pretty generic, and, like, it doesn't really matter how you do it because they want it to be like, oh, you can play it with anything, or then will it be like, well, you can do it with anything, but actually you're kind of stupid if you don't do it this specific way. Like, there's just a lot of pitfalls that I think it could fall into. It could be even worse, though. It could be like you have very clear paths through different archetypes. Yes. <laughs> like, there's just a lot of things I can think of where it's like, I feel like you might avoid some of these, but you can't avoid all of them. At least I don't think so. Like, they could, they could totally prove me wrong. And I would actually prefer that they did, but I just, you know, I, I don't. And like I said, I will play it, but I'm not going to be super excited about it going in, at least so far. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, again, we're so close and they haven't talked about multiplayer at all. And that's been a staple of the series. Yeah, because I mean, we're coming up on the end of July, so there's only like, it's like three, you know, a bit over three months away. Yeah, I, I'm just concerned about this one. It feels like they kind of took an idea and they made it, and then they're like, oh shit, this doesn't work, but we're stuck now. We've done so much on this, we're just stuck. Because I can't imagine a different scenario in which you end up with tonally what we got during that presentation. Well, and I think that's kind of the weakness of, you know, it feels like they made Watch Dogs, and then they decided, okay, this is going to be a franchise now, so we're making Watch Dogs 2. And then they're like, okay, now we have to make the next one. But, like, it would be so much nicer. I know this is unrealistic, but it would be so much nicer if if they just made it when they had a good reason to. When they were like, that, you know, this is our great idea that we're going to explore in this game, the sequel. Whereas, I just, I don't, from what we've seen so far, I don't necessarily see this as, like, a huge leap from where we were already like in terms of being a better game it's definitely a lot different but like i don't know it feels like they kind of started making it because they had to because they wanted it to be like you know another one of their big franchises but and it got delayed if i remember correctly so and then they're back with this and i just i'm not super impressed but on that note, it's actually weird for them as a franchise, too, because with their other franchises, every single game tends to change characters. Like, for example, Assassin's Creed has changed characters every game for a while now. And it's weird for them to be like, okay, so we have Watch Dogs, and it has one character. We have Watch Dogs 2, it has a completely different character, but they're both character-driven, so they're both pretty good story-wise. And then, here's this one that you can be whatever character you see on the street. It's just, it, it's such a big jump for them. And I don't totally understand why they did th what they did. Because, especially when it's releasing. You know, mid-COVID, post-Brexit sort of, but mid-Brexit at the same time. They could have, like, really made a lot of big, like, points. They could have made points. And it could have had some sort of profound impact on the people playing it, especially people from, you know, Britain. But instead, they decided to not go the character-driven way, and it's not even the government that they're up against in this one. It's the people that they hired from the government, and the private military company is kind of the most played-out bad guy. 
And so yes. you're you're taking this literally going on right now, steering right towards its future, and you're making it about the most played out villain in all of like media. Well, I feel like the private military company thing is just such a it's just such a cheap way to make a bad guy because it's just it is exactly that. It's been done so many times and it avoids having to take any kind of like controversial even in the slightest stance because you could just be like, well, it's actually this this fictional company that's real bad, but you know, you don't really have to take a stance against like a government or something. Instead, you're just, you know, you have made up something that that I don't know. It's just a cheap a cheap villain kind of thing. And and the CEO didn't seem like that interesting of a villain as well in particular. Oh so. no, he shot a guy in the middle of a meeting. This is totally not the most evil thing we've ever seen. Yeah, he's like cartoon bad guy, but I don't know. Like I it feels like a lot of Ubisoft stuff is kind of like that though, where they could take a really hard stance on something, but they don't. So that's why I kind of, you know, that's why that quote that I was talking about earlier hit me in a weird way because I know like they're not going to do anything that makes sense to use that quote for. Like they're not going to take a big you know, they're not going to make points as you were talking about. They they don't tend to a lot of the time. They kind of just do the like easy sailing way of doing things. They don't really go down these harder harder paths. So I don't know. Like overall, it just seems it does seem like very Saints Row in a weird way, and like not that much like Watch Dogs from before. Like it seems like a totally different thing, which is just weird. Yeah, and just to touch on what you said before we move on, I mean, the thing about it is, they don't have to make points if they pick the right settings. Like, they didn't have to pick this setting just because of the hacking thing. Uh, it it could have been anything, like, modern day. They could have literally just moved it from country to country every single time they made a new game. There were so many options, but instead they decided to go with this, where people were going to expect them to take a hard stance on something. But yeah. they decided that they're not going to. Yeah, they, that's that's what makes it so weird. Like, I don't think people expect from random game to, you know, go deep into this kind of stuff. But, like, if you're going to take that as your setting, you would expect them to have something to say about it. But I just, I don't think that they will. Like, nothing worth saying. So it's just weird how they always seem to do that. Or how they seem to do it often. Yeah, well, I think we've spent enough time on this for a game that we're both not excited about. So, um, let's move over to... Let's do Far Cry 6, because there isn't a whole lot about it right now. We haven't seen any gameplay, but I am really excited to see Giancarlo Esposito as the main villain. And, I mean, it is interesting that we're going to get, like, a father-son dynamic this time, because in Far Cry 5, you, you sort of saw that with Faith and Joseph, because he kind of took her in as, like, a daughter figure, but it wasn't really his daughter. It was just someone that he, like, brainwashed, pumped full of drugs, and, like, turned into, like, his ideal daughter. So even though it was kind of it kind of touched on it, it's not going to be the same 
as we are going to see in Far Cry 6. And personally, personally, I do think it would have been more interesting if you had played as the sun. You know, kind of like in Far Cry 4, you played as Ajay Gale, the um, estranged... I don't. I didn't play enough of the game to know exactly what he is, but the estranged like local to that area who's come back to like see his mother's ashes. I think to the right place. So I mean, they could have done that with Diego, but instead they're deciding to play up on that relationship with the bad guy. And I've seen Giancarlo Esposito do interviews where he's talked about making a um, villain that you both love and hate. So I'm very interested to see if the father-son relationship plays into that a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm I I don't have like a ton of interesting stuff to say, but I just you know I'm really interested to see where that relationship goes because I think you know even just what they showed in that story trailer that was really interesting to me. Like I was really into that whole thing like i i could watch so much more of that and so i am really interested to see like where do they go with that and i think that kind of thing is cool because especially with diego i mean you can really show a lot of things that are like you know like you can really show the angle of like people can do bad things but they're not necessarily like it's not because people are inherently bad it can be, you know, people can have good intentions and do bad things. Or, you know, and just the fact that he's kind of a child that is growing up and he's just... like I don't know. Like, I'm just really interested to see that dynamic there. And I wish we knew more of, like, what the protagonist is going to be because we know it's going to be a different person than, you know, either Anton or Diego. But, like, we don't even know what the relationship between the main character and, you know, sort of like the villain, if you're going to call them that is, but I don't know. And uh, like, I mean, the one thing that they said is that this game is going to have a lot more verticality than past games, which could be interesting. So I guess we'll see what they do with that, but I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm just excited for a mainline Far Cry again, because I feel like when they do a big Far Cry, that's pretty interesting. But when they do like the smaller spin-off Far Cries, that is way less interesting. So I'm just excited to see a new Far Cry. Well, I mean, on the note of the main character and their relationship, really there isn't one in most of these cases. You're like just oh, what were you in the uh in Far Cry five? I think a deputy that just happened to be called in to deal with the cult and you were like the only survivor or something. And in New Dawn, you your train was attacked, I think? I don't totally remember. I think so. And, I, yeah. and you just kind of ended up there. I mean, they, they don't really have a whole lot of investment in the world that you're in. They're just kind of there. So I don't think that that's going to be why it's interesting, because especially with 5 and not so much with New Dawn, which didn't touch on the characters as much. But 5 was interesting because as you were taking out these heads of this cult, you were getting, like, looks inside their psyches. And it was it was very interesting. 
But it was also very brief on the part of each one of them. You really only got a look at Joseph in the long term. And this could be different because you have these two people, a father and a son, that are definitely going to survive until the end of the game because it's the main bad guy and his son. So, I mean, we, we could get something much more interesting than we did before. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's what I really want to see, is I want to see the relationship between the father and the son and see what like what happens there. That's what I want to see. So, that you know, I, I don't really have much more beyond that, but like that's what I'm most interested in. So... I mean, they've already got it off to a good start. Honestly, that grenade metaphor, like, that was so good. It was so yeah. good. But also, I literally got chills from that trailer. Like, the end where he's, like, proved that you understand what I'm saying. I was like, holy shit. That <laughs> moment is so good. And I really want to know how the rest of it plays out. The only sad thing about Far Cry 6 is that it's not coming out for, like, a while. So, it's it's kind of unfortunate because it's not coming out until next year. And I would love to just play it now. I know, right? But, like, you know, I, I guess it's something that we'll just kind of have to shelve for a while, and then I'm sure they'll have another pretty impactful trailer, you know, later down the line. But, man, like, I, I was ready. Like, I, after watching that, I was like, all right, let's get it downloaded and start playing. But, unfortunately, not till not till February. Yeah, but other than that, I don't have a whole lot more to say because, I mean, I don't really want to make any judgments either way on the verticality until I see what they're talking about. Because Far Cry yeah. has always had, like, cliffs and stuff, but it it kind of is right in their messaging that most of your battles have been on, like, flat land, even with, like, little hills and stuff. There's not a lot of dealing with people that are way above you shooting down at you or anything like that. It It's very much not often like that, and it's been like that since the very first game. Like, you had dedicated people that were higher up as snipers or whatever, but you, you've you never really had, like, you have to deal with this twisting maze of, like, different levels. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that, but I also have no idea what to say about that until I've seen it. Yeah. I mean, I just want to see this wiener dog that they talked about as well. <laughs> Well, that's, that's like in 5, I'm pretty sure um, you could get a bear named Cheeseburger as a guns for hire. Yeah, but a wiener dog, though. Like, I just... A wiener dog named Chorizo that they said is exists as a guns for hire thing. Like, I just... I need to see that and see what that is. <laughs> yeah, that sounds amazing. He's an ankle biter. He just bites their ankles and you shoot them. I guess that would kind of fall under... I mean, I don't know, it doesn't really... Like, they said he will kill with kindness, so I need to know what that is. I just, I, man. It'll be like yeah. the, the shovel from Far Cry that has... Or Far Cry 5 that has the uh, smiley face on it, and you just hit people with it. Technically killing them with kindness. Yeah, I guess that's good enough. But yeah, um... Other than that, like, there's not a whole lot to say about it just yet. I really hope that they don't try to do something like in 5 with the Evil Knievel and, like, rip-off, because, dear God, there were way too many of those. There were so many of those races or trials or whatever you want to call them, and they were so tedious. And the guy that 
the evil can evil wannabe kind of thing was so insufferable to listen to because he always he was dead in the game but he always had this little like voice message that played right before you did any of those and i just i could not stand that that was my least favorite part of that entire game and even as we were going through my partner and i as a completionist type thing we were like actively avoiding those because we could not stand them so please do not bring anything like that back I never like dealt with that as somebody who didn't play that game, but I, you know, I am happy I didn't deal with that. So yeah, <laughs> sounds like I could deal without that. All right. So with that discussed, we shall move on to the probably the biggest unveiling of this uh, stream, which is the Assassin's Creed Valhalla gameplay. Which you know it leaked a little bit before, but we decided not to talk about it because they were going to be unveiling it so close to the last podcast. And I am actually very interested in this. Like, they said that they've completely revamped the fighting system to, like, the quote was, I think, leverage intensity and brutality of Viking combat. And from what I've seen in the trailer, it looks very flexible. Like, there was the one clip where she was, they had female Eivor just rolling over the back of somebody, and I'm like, okay, I'm down for that. If I can just, like, juke people constantly and then cut their head off with an axe, that's all I need. Okay, I'm set. Well, they said, like, you can dual wield pretty much anything. Like, you can, they literally said you can dual wield shields if you want to, and that is a thing you can do, and, like, they showed it. And it just, it does seem very flexible, for sure. But for me, I think I'm interested to see, like, what, I, I want to know what the story kind of is, because it sounds interesting, but it also seems really, like, it's hard for me to picture, because you're going to be taking on this role of a Viking chieftain, you know, which can be either male or female, depending on, you know, what do you want to play as leaving Norway and going to England and kind of having to fight all the time to build build yourself up over there and sort of get some land for yourself and for your people. That sounds really cool. But it just, you know, everything they've described with the story and with the gameplay, it is just so different. It's hard for me to imagine. Because like they said as well, you know, you can go, like you'll go sailing around and then you'll kind of like jump out, like you'll encounter a settlement, jump out, all your dudes will jump out too, like your crew, and then you'll all kind of raid the settlement or whatever. And that's just, just so different from from Odyssey. It's just, it's hard to picture. Well, I mean, on that note, it's, I'm curious to know how that's going to work, because the way that they told it before, it kind of seemed like you were going to be slowly conquering England. But the way yeah. that the gameplay seems to have played out, it seems more in line with what Odyssey had, where you can like raid specific areas that are going to be much, much smaller than the provinces in Odyssey. But then you just leave, and you don't actually own that territory, is what it seems like. You just raid them so that you can take stuff for your own settlement, which is somewhere else. So yeah. I don't totally know how this is going to go if you like raid them and their villages are just dead permanently or if they're just going to keep coming back and you can keep raiding them it it it's going to be interesting to see like how that actually works instead of just in a gameplay demo because it's going to 
the game could be completely different than what we're being shown right now, but we wouldn't know that. Yeah. And, yeah, like, there's just a lot of questions that I have about this game. But I, I'm just really interested with what they've shown so far as well. Like, I, it just, you know, the combat just seems really interesting. I like how they seem to have kind of nerfed the idea of Gears War, where it seems less like it'll be, oh, you're always picking up armor and weapons and stuff that have a level and you need to be switching around a lot. I believe what we've seen is that the gear score kind of thing, like you still have like a, a score, like a level, and there's still going to be areas where it's like, you should be at least this number to do this. But I think it's more based on abilities this time, based on my understanding. So that seems interesting, where it's going to be less of like messing around with loot, like all this random loot and like things, and more like you have more freedom. I'm, I'm interested to see how that works. And, um, I mean, on the note, again, of the story, it, it does, just the little bit that we've seen of, like, structured story content seems weird, because it kind of seems like a lot of the story is going to be told through, like, you bring on a raider, you get to know them, and then they tell you their stories. But then, also, they had that one weird, like, moment that, and I, I call it weird not because it's weird that it's in the game, but weird because they had it in the demo where you go to a wedding and I'm like, okay, so there's this entire story segment for this wedding that they've just thrown in here, but we still don't know like how the actual story plays out. But then the wedding even has weird moments where like you can do drunk archery because why not? So um, it, it seems very expansive, but I also don't know how it's going to come together as a cohesive whole. Yeah. And just with regards to being expansive, too, there was that whole thing going around before of how it was supposedly going to be a bit scaled back with the size of the world and everything compared to Odyssey. And then in a French interview that got translated um, over to English, they've said, oh, actually, no, like the map is going to be probably even bigger than Odyssey. And that kind of gives me a bit of pause because... I'm not, like, against the idea of these giant maps, but even for me, going into Odyssey and you're playing, you know, the very beginning stuff or whatever, and you're having a good time, and then you get to the moment where you open the map and you see, like, everything you've just done is, like, a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the world. And there's, like, a million hours of things to do. It's just, it's it's overwhelming. So... I kind of hope that this time they find a way to kind of, like, not be too restrictive, but also not just, like, throw you into this moment of, like, there's here's this map with 10 trillion question marks on it and all this stuff that you feel like, oh, I should really start working on that, I guess, and, and less, like, you know kind of like smaller areas that you can feel like oh you know i'm kind of I, i'm seeing myself progress like progress in a meaningful way along this map i guess it's hard to explain but i just i want it to be less overwhelming if they can manage to do that this time with well, the world well on the note didn't they say that it would be divided up in a certain way yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because it got translated, so you know how that stuff can be, but they said, like, it'll be bigger, 
because they've recreated like all of England and they have a bunch of Norway in there as well. And then they said there would be like some secret worlds where the words that were used, but you know, again, that's after translation. So maybe it will be divided up more and that will help. Like, I think even just that could help a lot of just like, yeah, there's actually more, but you just don't get it thrown all in your face and feel like, oh, there's 10 trillion things for me to do and I don't even know where to start. Like, just maybe a bit more guided than that would help. Well, is it actually all of England and some of Norway, or is it like all of England, like it's all of the US and the crew? Because the crew was, the way that they shrunk it down to, like, scale made it feel very weird. Like, just crossing the U.S. did not feel like you were going through a real place, and I hope that that's not the case here. I mean, I don't know, like, I think it could be... Like, it's hard to say, of course, because, you know, it's an interview, and it got translated, and, you know, things can change and all this stuff, but... I think having an appropriate scale is a good idea, but if Odyssey is anything to go by, I think this will be a huge, like another gigantic game. So I think they probably, you know, they could have recreated a large part of it based on how big the world of Odyssey was. That's fair. So it's hard to see, or it's hard to say, but they, you know, they kind of, it seems like there will be like kind of territories with different factions going on that you can kind of make alliances with and stuff. They, they mentioned the idea of making alliances, so that sounds pretty cool. And then something that kind of is interesting is there, were this, there was this moment of like a large assault that they showed, and they talked about how like, yeah, there will be these big, like huge battles that are like these set-piece moments that will, it seems like they will cause something big to happen. Like maybe you conquer like a fort or something, and then that changes things permanently going forward. And maybe those will be the big things of like, like a big story moment where you conquer this thing or whatever. And then that is what will, you know, cause the big changes to the world. Because, you know, we talked about an odyssey just, you know, just privately how like that stuff can feel a bit weird because it feels like things don't really change. Yeah, and actually, those assaults look pretty cool. They have like yeah. battering rams and stuff that you have to attach yourself to and like ram into manually. You don't just wait for someone to do it. So it actually looks pretty fun. And on top of that, we didn't mention it earlier, but like raids and stuff, you can just set houses on fire. Like you can just straight yeah. up burn houses to the ground. And it's it seems like there's a lot of there are a lot of options for how you attack a village or a fort or whatever, and I'm going to have fun messing with that. I mean, it just seems like in general, like, this game is just going to have, like, a zillion things in it. Like, at all these different mechanics. Like, oh, here's a battering ram, and here's, oh, you can set everything on fire, and you need to, like, maybe there will be treasure that you find that's, like, you know, when you're doing a raid or whatever, that you need multiple people to move, or, like, I don't know. It's going to be crazy. Like, this game, just in general shows off so many things that I find so interesting, and it's, like, one of the things that I'm most excited for this year, I would say. Well, on that note, though, like, they also have elements of, like, hunting and foraging and fishing for healing and upgrading, and unlike the past games, you're not just automatically going to get your health back when you're out of combat. And with stuff like that, 
I like I got strong Witcher vibes from like Odyssey, right? On when you're riding on horseback and stuff. Like it, there were moments that really felt like it was more of an RPG than it was an Assassin's Creed game. But watching the gameplay, like the post-show gameplay for Valhalla, like this really feels like an RPG without the itemization. It's it's so much feels like an RPG that it's it's insane. Like it's hard to imagine that it's simultaneously going to like feel more like an RPG and also have like older game mechanics like the insta kill hidden well not so hidden blade um come back at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's just... And then, uh, I mean, there's also going to be some Norse myths and legends and stuff that you explore in the game somehow, which might be to do with those secret worlds that kind of mentioned briefly earlier. So, you know, and, and Odyssey had that kind of stuff, like that mythological element. Yeah, you had to fight things. Medusa at one point. Yeah, and I think there's something with the Minotaur, maybe? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not I sure. Think so. Maybe in the I DLC, so. I think. Well, no, the, the DLC was actually weird, because you um, ended up in, oh my god, I Elysian? I, I don't remember expa- exactly how it's spelled, and you um, you are basically up against Persephone there, and it's, it's a very bizarre setting, but right. it, you actually do go up against one of the gods. Well, I, I mean, I love mythology, so the idea of there being, you know, all this Norse mythological stuff in it that, you know, probably won't, I don't think it'll be big, like, in the story, but might be, you know, some pretty interesting side stuff, that's very appealing to me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm wondering how this is going to factor into the overall Isu mythology of the series. Like, are they going to have the gods of the Norse times be more Isu? Are they going to just make them like some sort of like crazy mythological like people sort of? I mean, it's it's going to be weird or interesting to see how they do that. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just kind of crazy. Like the more I see of this game, the more it is hard for me to believe that it is all part of just one game. Like it seems like it's going to be this absolutely massive thing, which you know, is both appealing and kind of off-putting as well. Yeah. But, I mean, it definitely seems like it's going to be a step up from Odyssey. I've always thought that, like, Odyssey was kind of... People think it was rushed, but I think the more reality of it was that it was an in-between state where they were trying to figure out where they wanted to take it. Because, like, in Origins, you before that, you had Syndicate. And Syndicate was kind of an in-between state, where it was they sort of threw in RPG elements, but it was sort of still the same old Assassin's Creed. And then you got Origins, which was like a full-on RPG. And then you had Odyssey, which is, um, you know, they have the, like, conquering stuff and everything, but they don't really. And now you have Valhalla, where it seems like they're going to, like, fully throw that into the mix. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Seems like they keep changing it up quite a lot, which, I mean, one thing that I'm happy about is I'm happy that this wasn't just a year after Odyssey, because I don't think that they could have, like, you know, that what I think this will end up being is something that's very interesting and very different than Odyssey, whereas I think if you're trying to make these huge games every year, you just can't, like, you can't 
do something that's this different. So I, I'm, I hope that they kind of stick to this as well, but they take a bit more time and they don't try to make one of these every year because I think that's when, you know, people eventually fall off of it because you just can't make the kind of big changes that they seem to be making with this one. Like you can't just go off in totally new directions of things. But also, I'm not entirely sure where they're supposed to go from here. Like, yeah. with this, they've got so many things, and they've got, like, the whole conquering gameplay. But then say you take a whole other part of history where there wasn't a lot of conquering, then what? Do we just have another Origins-like um, game for once? I don't know. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I am, I'm just, I'm so excited for this game. Like, I really am. I, I can't... With Ubisoft games, it's easier to be excited if you're on PC as well, because you can just sign up for their subscription thing or whatever when stuff comes out and just play it, which is cool, because you can kind of just play all their stuff if you want to, even if you don't end up, like, beating it all. So, you know, that's why I know for sure I'll play this. And I, I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like this will probably be a thing that... Like, my anticipation is that this will be something that gets better reviews than odyssey did and than origins did and i think this will stand you know as more of its own thing that people are more excited about for longer whereas odyssey it seems like it kind of faded away after a while still won't beat breath of the wild though for whatever reason <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um also i i would be remiss if i didn't mention the rap battles um, they call them rap battles, but it's it's really more like lyric or poetry battles. It's this, and it's not quite how I thought it was going to play out. So basically, you challenge someone to a battle, and then they say a line, and then you have to pick another line with the right cadence, with the rhyme, and like that's just punchy enough. And then if you do, you win. And that's kind of how it goes. But you can have like multiple rounds of it and everything. But from what they showed, it's it's literally one line versus one line. So it's like throwing volleys of words back and forth more than it is like an actual like rap battle. Yeah. I don't know. Like <laughs> I I somehow missed that, but that sounds like it, I can't even believe that that exists. Yeah, and I mean, on top of that, okay, that's not even, like, the craziest thing that exists. So, they have, they wanted to have these moments that were, like, big story moments, right? And then they wanted to have smaller meditative moments. So, like, they showed one of the big story battles going on, and then they showed your character standing on, like, a cliff. And on that cliff is a rock where you build a cairn, and a cairn is just a few rocks stacked on top of each other that are meant to provide a meditative break. Well, you don't just build the cairn, you build it with physics. So you have to manually place each of the rocks in a space where they don't fall over. And you have to do that until the whole thing is built. And that's a thing that exists in this game for a meditative break. Yeah, the more that I hear about this game, the more I realize why Ubisoft always has like 50 studios working on one game. Because that's just... They just had to have people divided onto all these little projects that are all part of it. It's just insane. And I mean, this the is all, this is only the stuff we've heard about, like the rap battles, the drunken archery, the physics-based Karen building, the fishing. Like, there's so much more that could be there. Yeah. 
the one thing that I forgot about until just now is that they there was this weird interview that um, happened just before the Ubisoft forward where the narrative director behind Assassin's Creed Valhalla said that there, you know, there will be side stuff, but they said that it's not going to be traditional side quests. They said, like, the extra activities that are going to be available are going to be, like, more spontaneous. I think they called them, like, world events or something. Yeah. Wait, and so does I, that I, mean I that they happen? Think... Like, they happen as you're going through, like, world events in an MMO? I think, like at random? I don't know. I don't know that they showed it. I didn't see them show it, but I saw the interview and I'm like trying to figure out what that actually means because that seems like it. Like I don't know if they mean like is are they saying that because they expect you to partake in all this side stuff? That's kind of weird, you know, like all those little activities that we've talked about, the the archery and the fishing and the hunting and all these like millions of things. Or are they saying that because there's going to be like weird, spontaneously generated? Here's this like kind of inconsequential thing that's going on that you could partake in, but you don't have to, and it doesn't really matter. But you can. Like I don't know. It's just it's really weird to say that. I just I'm not entirely sure what they mean by that, and that's the only thing that concerns me. Yeah, I know. It's it's yeah. I don't know it. <laughs> It's weird. I I, I want to see more, but also the more I see, the more like I have to try and fit into my head of like the ten billion things that they've talked about being in this. So I don't know. I mean, hopefully at least most of it will be inconsequential. Like in The Witcher Three, you had Gwent, but you like you could duck in and out of the entire Gwent storyline as much as you wanted. Yeah, it, you, it didn't affect you. So hopefully it'll be a similar thing here if they decide to do like, okay, here's this giant storyline of Viking rap battles where you have to work your way up to the top to be... Oh, can you even imagine to have songs sung about your rap battles? Yeah. <laughs> it would be such a weird thing, but I can see it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I loved Odyssey, and I'm going to go back and play Origins at some point. And I, I don't know, like, I'm excited for this because it seems different, but it also seems like it'll have a lot of what I loved about those games. But I don't know, like, (laughs) we'll have to see. Like, it could, again, it could be too big for its own good, as, you know, a lot of people kind of felt that Odyssey was. Well, it's actually ironic that you mentioned that with it launching two days before the other game that might be too big for its own good. Yeah. It's just going to yeah, be the season sure. of that. <laughs> yeah, this... Uh, I mean, it'll be crazy. Like, I, I'm i also... I don't know. I, I On a totally different note, like, I want to see how it looks as well. Because even for me, like, when I first played Odyssey, it was on a base, like a, an original PS4, and it ran horribly, but it still looked, like, very good. Like, I... So I think this one will look crazy good as well. Yeah, Odyssey on the highest um, settings was insane. Like, even Origins, well, I've been shipping away at Origins, and on the highest settings, that is insane. Like, it just. And I can't imagine be it being better. Yeah, and this is going to be a next gen thing, so it'll be, it will be better somehow. I don't know. It's going to be crazy. I don't know if they said if it'll have, like, ray tracing or whatever yet, but that'd be pretty crazy. If it has Ansel, I'm screwed. Because I'm just going to spend the entire game taking screenshots. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I bet it'll have a good photo mode again. So there you go. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, Odyssey had the crazy one where you could uh, change the filters and everything. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but actually, I really hope, one thing I hope they do change before the thing comes out, I really hate the UI where the health bar is, and that little heart symbol, I hate it so much. It looks so bad. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to see. Anyway, so, um, that was the last thing we were going to talk about today, so take care, everyone, and see you guys next time. Yeah, see you guys.